Good morning, everyone. Uh, it was wonderful to see so many of you out last night at the Fall Harvest Party. Uh, it really was a good time, and I love the fact that, what was the number, about 230 people? Is that what we heard? Um, and we're about a congregation of 150, so the fact that there was, you know, 80 people there that don't usually come to our congregation uh, is very exciting. And uh, this morning I felt called to put on a tie because of how I was dressed yesterday. Um, I made three kids cry yesterday, so I feel the need to say I can be responsible, I can look responsible, so hence, the, hence this thing. Anyway, I try and be as transparent as I can be, everyone. Um, but welcome, you guys, and if you're just here for the first time this morning, welcome, and we have been going through a, a six-week um, sermon study on the book of Colossians. And so this week is part four in our, in our six-part series. Three weeks ago, we talked about Jesus, the complete author of life. Two weeks ago, we looked at what it means to be a disciple, to be a, a servant of the gospel, to be a servant of Christ. And last week, we talked about what it means to be filled with his fullness. And if I could wrap up those three weeks in one paragraph, it would sound something like this. When we accept the reality that Jesus is the author of our life, that he is the authority of our life, our response to this is to be a servant of the gospel, to be a servant of Christ. And we can only do this when we surrender to Jesus, when we enter into this, this covenant relationship with him. And when we do so, we are, as Paul writes in his letter to the Colossian church, we are filled with the fullness of Christ. All that Christ is is poured into us so that we can pour it out into the world. Last week we talked a little bit about baptism as this defining moment when we enter into this covenant relationship. When we say to Jesus, yes, Lord, you and I, I belong to you now, Lord, you and you alone. You and I forsaking all others. It's a defining moment for Christians. Some of us call it our, our new birthday. Others call it our, our wedding day to God. And both of those are going to sound a little strange to some people. Basically what it is, it's a decision. It's a decision that's being made to follow Christ, and it comes out of this place of realizing that Jesus is the only thing that fills us. Jesus is the only thing that completes us. We are only completely complete in him. And so here we are walking in this journey with Christ. As members of the church, or what we call the, the body of Christ, where Jesus is the head and we are the body, we want our lives to reflect the life of Jesus. We want to simply love God and love our neighbors, and that this love would be seen in our actions and in our words, and that by extension, they would impact the world just as Jesus did. And we do all this with the hope and with the promise of what God tells us, that one day we will be glorified. One day we will stand in the presence of God, in sight of a new heaven and a new earth, and we will stand before Jesus face to face. This is what we believe, because this is what we've been promised. Isn't that awesome? And so I don't know about all you guys, but I've got it all figured out. From now until then, I'm simply going to live day to day with Jesus. And I'm not going to fret or worry anymore. 
because I know that Jesus has me. And I'm not going to live in fear anymore because I know that Jesus holds me and that he will help me. And I'm not going to doubt his word anymore because I know it to be true. And I don't have to worry about my weak character because in Jesus, I am strong. Except for when I'm not. And except for the times when I do fret and I do worry because of my own insecurities, I find it hard to trust in God. And except for the times when I find myself living in fear, because sometimes it doesn't feel like Jesus has us in the palm of his hand, does it? Sometimes I react out of anger and say, Lord, today I'm just going to go with this on my own. Thank you very much. And I don't always trust the word of God because sometimes his promises seem to be for all the really good Christians and not for myself because I have a very hard time of being holy. In fact, when we walk with Christ, these are are thoughts that are going to come up at least once, probably many, many times in our lives. And we will find ourselves asking questions like, I thought a life in Christ was was supposed to make things at least a little bit easier. And if I died to sin, then how come it seems like I always keep on, you know, sinning? And why does it always feel like I have to start back at square one with God? Friends, when we ask questions like these, we are realizing the truth that we are living in Saturday. We are living in between our death and our resurrection. You see, when we died to sin... In Christ, we died to sin, and we're going to call that our Friday. You with me so far? And in Christ, we have this hope of resurrection, of life after death, of our glorification. We're going to call that our Sunday, all right? Friday, dead to sin. Sunday, in resurrection. But today, we live in the present. Today, we live in Saturday. You see, Christ is transforming us into his likeness, but it has not been completed yet, but he is working in us to do so. And so it's kind of a funny thing. Our past is past. Our future is promised. So I would venture to say that to live in Saturday means to be present in God's presence. We need to be present in his presence. To be still and know that he is God, as the psalmist said. And that kind of paints a serene picture, doesn't it? That kind of makes it sound like we just kind of sit around like a guru on a mountaintop, just kind of being present in his presence. But a life with Jesus is anything but. A life with Jesus is living and active. We never know where he's going to take us, what he's going to do with us, how we're going to be able to serve him. So one of the problems with living in Saturday is that often we find ourselves wanting to revert back to a Friday way of living. Or sometimes we're so fed up with what's happening now, we long so hard for living in Sunday to being in the presence of God that we forsake what's happening in the here and now. Would you open your Bibles with me to the book of Colossians, chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 20. If you have your black Bibles in the seats there, it's page 1,143. Colossians chapter 2, verse 20. And I want to preface this passage first with a question. And the question is, do you ever forget that you have died to sin? Do 
Does it ever slip your mind? It happens to me all the time. You know what I'm talking about. Something happens, something comes up, we get upset or we, or we get uh, surprised or taken aback, and we find that we react to it like we did before we knew Christ. We go back to a Friday way of living. Does that ever happen to you? Our reactions are human because we are human and we are far from perfect. But when we revert back to a Friday way of living, it's because we've forgotten that we've died to sin. And we're still trying to hold on to a part of us, a part of our old self, to keep it from Christ. I love what C.S. Lewis wrote concerning this. He wrote, Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. I don't want to cut off a branch here and a branch there. I want the whole tree down. I don't want to drill the tooth or crown it or stop it. I want to have it out. I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself. My own will shall become yours. Jesus wants all of us. He's not going to settle for just a part. And this is what Paul is reminding the Colossian church. He's reminding them what we need to be reminded of from time to time. That we don't belong to sin. We are dead to sin, but alive in Christ. We belong to Jesus alone. Look at what Paul writes in verse 20. You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world? What does it mean to be set free from the spiritual powers of the world? What are the spiritual powers of the world? Different biblical translations will say different things, like, for example, uh, the basic principalities of this world or the elemental spiritual powers. Basically what it means is to be set free from anything that is false, anything that is worldly, to be set free from any way in which a world without Christ would act or think. A world outside of Christ says, this is how the real world works. These are the rules that we must abide by. But in verses 22 and 23, we read something different. Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Now, do you guys remember last week when we talked about Paul's letter to the Colossians? He was responding to this specific heresy, this, this heretical teaching that was trying to infiltrate the church. What he's saying here has to do with that, but the basic principle is the same. A world outside of Christ scoffs at his actions and at his teachings and says that's not a realistic way to live. This isn't how the real world works. And this isn't a new thought. This way of thinking has been around ever since mankind rejected God in the garden. And if you think about it, when we look at Adam and Eve, and we look at them rejected from the garden and, and living in the wilderness, and we see them toiling in the ground, or we read about them, 
we look at that often. We say to ourselves, well, now they know what it's like to live in the real world. But I don't know about that. Is that really the case? Is that them living in God's reality or in theirs? Because God's reality was more than just a beautiful garden teeming with wild animals and very strategically placed coilage. God's reality is a day-to-day relationship with him. Toiled in the wilderness, day-to-day relationship with God. It's funny the ones we choose sometimes, isn't it? Or think about it this way. Have you ever been with a friend and have you ever spoken to them about the words or the actions of Jesus just to have them shake their head or shrug their shoulders and say, I'm sorry, man, I, that's a nice story, but that doesn't, that's not how it works in the real world. I can get where they're coming from. I certainly have thought that myself many times. I'm sorry, Lord, you want me to, to forgive my enemies? You want me to forgive the ones that are persecuting me or my family or my friends or those around me? You want me to turn the other cheek? You want me to love my enemies? Do you know who my enemy is? <laughs> it is hard. I love the fact that so many of us in this church are about to start l- reading this book by Randy Harris called Living Jesus. I think the Young Adults group is about to get into it. And the Young Families group, which has now been multiplied into these life groups, we're, go- we're about to start in that too. And Randy Harris has written this book named Living Jesus And he looks at it from a very avant-garde kind of way. He says, what if Jesus meant all the things that he talked about on the Sermon on the Mount? What if Jesus actually wanted us to do all of those things? Now there's a concept. That's going to give us some questions like, whose reality are we living in? The reality of a broken world? That can be very real, absolutely. And it affects us in very real ways. But do we live in the reality of a broken world or in the reality of a God who loved this broken world so much that he would lower himself to our standards and take on a body of flesh and blood and give himself up as a living sacrifice for all the wages of sin for the end of time? To set us free from that world, from the the so-called rules of the ways of living The reality of living with Christ is that we died to sin. We are not living in Friday anymore. Don't forget, you have died to sin. Colossians 3, verses 1 to 3 says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Walking in a relationship with Christ, we are to set our sights on the realities of heaven. But just as there is a tendency sometimes to fall into a Friday way of living, sometimes we get so caught up with the idea of living in Sunday, of our eventual glorification, that we fail to really be aware of the world around us here and now in the present I'm sure we're all familiar with the expression, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good, right? 
But how does that work with the passage that we just read? Because we've just been encouraged to set our, our thoughts and our sights on the realities of heaven. But the realities of heaven are never to be focused on at the expense of being a servant of the gospel here and now. In fact, I believe if we focus on the realities of heaven, it will cause us to truly care about what it means to live here on earth. If Jesus was preaching that the kingdom of heaven is near, it wasn't because man all of a sudden decided to get close to God. It's because Jesus decided to come and be close to us. And in a few weeks, we're about to enter into the season of Advent, which is a good thing. It leads us into Christmas. But the season of Advent is when we really start to look at God, Emmanuel, God with us. When I look in the Bible, I see Jesus putting a lot more emphasis on what we can do now in this life with God with us than about how to get to heaven. In fact, God is so awesome that he gives us glimpses, tastes of what Sunday living feels like even now here on earth. Have you ever shared an awesome meal with someone? Maybe with family, maybe with friends, or maybe just with one in particular person? Have you ever just enjoyed really good food and really good drink with one another? I can remember a meal my mother made years ago. She roasted a leg of lamb. She made her own mint sauce. I think it was a piece of the divine. I mean, it was awesome. And I remember sitting there with her in a table surrounded by friends, and we just had a wonderful time. And I thought to myself, This has got to be a piece of what it's like to live in Sunday. This has got to be what it's like to be with God in the presence of of Jesus in, in heaven, to spend that time together in intimate relationship and just enjoying each other's presence. That's a taste. That's a glimpse of what Sunday living is like. I can remember camping with my father one time. We were on this little island in this big lake. And I remember once, uh, one evening, it was, there was a sunset, and there was tons of clouds in the sky, and they were all brilliantly lit up by the setting sun. I mean, it was just gorgeous. And I remember my dad turning to me and saying, Son, I have a feeling this might be what it looks like when Jesus comes back. I think this might just be like a, a glimpse of what it's like when Jesus comes back. Glimpses, tastes of Sunday living. I can't speak for you personally, but for myself, in my relationship with Christ, the emphasis cannot simply be on the fact that Jesus is my ticket into heaven. There are times where it is. There are times where I hold on to that, where I'm thankful for that, where I look forward to that. But the emphasis of my relationship with Christ has to be on the fact that I am a servant of the King of Kings and that I want whatever I do in my life to make Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, a reality. Living in Christ is living a real life. Living the way you were meant to live. It's hard to live that way sometimes. There is a type of tension involved. For we know the promise of future glory, but in its fullness it is still unattained. There is tension involved because sometimes we really long for Sunday, don't we? When we suffer in this life, when we suffer in this life, Saturday living can be excruciating. 
it's hard to be present in his presence. When we feel like our life is now the, the source material for Psalm 88. Has anyone here ever read Psalm 88? Don't. <laughs> That's right. I just told you not to read part of Scripture. I am joking. You can read that part of Scripture. But Psalm 88 has no happy ending. In fact, you know when a psalm ends with the line, the darkness is my only friend, you know you're singing the blues. You know what? That's okay. It's in there for a reason, my friends. It's okay to sing the blues. It's okay to feel that way. It's okay to come before God with what you feel is just simply ashes. He will give you your weight in gold in his glory. Sometimes that's what living in Saturday feels like. There's a tension because though we're free from the power of sin, we're not free from the presence of sin, and it still affects us, be it directly or indirectly. And it's hard to live in a world like that. It's hard to live in a world of injustice. It's hard to see all the stories in our own backyard, in our newspapers, let alone the stories going on around the world and, of course, what's happening in our own very lives How can people get away with what they get away with? Where is the resolve with all of that? It's hard to live in hope and to wait for Sunday glory when this this is happening. At times it's almost mocking us, it seems, like it's almost teasing us. But here's the thing. When we are present in God's presence, he is sharing in our pain. He hasn't forgotten about you. He hasn't given up on you. And he loves you very, very much. He's also not done with you. He is in the midst of transforming you into the likeness of Christ. And he's doing it right now, today. And you will get there. He does this with infinite amounts of patience and grace, but it is a process. It only lasts your whole life. It brings to mind the words of Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, concerning living in Saturday. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. My friends, take heart. Trust in the Lord. Wait on him. He will hear you. He will be with you. He is with us here and now, living in Saturday. Worship team, would you please come join me at the front here? Friends, let us set our thoughts and sights on the realities of heaven, that it may strengthen us and keep us from falling into Friday living, that it may encourage us as we live day to day here and now in Saturday with the hope of Sunday always in our hearts. But what's a practical way that we can do this? Well, here's a thought. What if every morning when we wake up, what if instead of all of a sudden thinking about all the things that are going on in our, in our heads, and what if before we get to the breakfast table or the shower, or dare I say even the coffee maker, what if we were to get on our knees 
before God and be present in his presence and ask the Holy Spirit to help us walk this day in the reality of Christ. Now, I've been very lenient with my homework for you this last little while. I don't know if Travis is into homework or not. We'll find out in the next, uh, next uh, well, we've got a lot of time to figure it out. But uh, I would ask you to do this this week. I would ask you when you wake up in the morning to get up and find a place where you can literally get down on your knees. You don't have to. And if you can't, that's okay. But I would encourage you, get down on your knees. There's something incredibly humbling about it. It feels good. Get down on your knees and get into the, into the presence of God. Be present in his presence and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you into that day and to help you walk in the reality of Christ. Who's up for trying it this week? I'd be really curious to hear the stories next week of how your week has gone. What has Christ shown you? Where has he taken you? What has he done with you? Remember the messages of the last few weeks. Christ is the author of our lives, and our response is to be a servant of the gospel, filled with his fullness. Let's do so by being present in his presence. Let's let God show us the world that he wants to see, a world that is full of justice, that is full of his love, full of his grace, full of his imagination and his possibilities. And let's do so walking out in the reality of the promise that says, and when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. Amen? Let's pray.